Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Thank you so much for joining me. Today on the show, I've got a special guest joining me. Uh, he's been on the podcast before, if you've been listening, Tommy Oliva with Trained by Tex. Um, Tommy's going to join me today to talk all about module programming. And if you're considering getting into programming or you just want to learn more about it, maybe you already do it and you want to pick up some tips, um, I'll tell you what, there is a lot of really good information uh, within the discussion I had with Tommy today. Um, we cover a wide range of topics, all involving uh, module programming on vehicles. So check this one out for some really good information. Also, uh, before we actually get into the interview, uh, I just want to let everybody know that I am planning on doing a listener Q&A episode uh, sometime in the near future. And what I'm going to do here is get questions from you, the listening audience, and answer them on an episode of the podcast. Um, this can be anything automotive related, you know, particularly diagnostics, uh, fixing vehicles, scan tools, electrical computers, that sort of thing. Um, the things that we talk about on the podcast, um, maybe you need some help with a specific vehicle. Maybe you'd like some advice on purchasing a tool. Uh, maybe you just don't understand a certain aspect of what we're talking about. Um, anything like that, I'd love to hear your questions. Okay. So, um, what I'm going to do is, once I get enough questions together, uh, I'm also going to get either one expert or two experts uh, to join me on that episode to help answer these questions, because chances are I can't answer all of them or can't answer all of them uh, as well as someone else could. So I'm going to get a little bit of help here. So again, what I need from you is your questions. And so if you'd like to send those, you can either message me on Facebook and if you're not on Facebook, I'm going to have you shoot me an email with your question. And you can find that email within the show notes for this episode. So check that out, send your questions, and uh, maybe we'll get them on the air for you. But other than that, let's get into the interview. Well, what's going on, Tommy? How you doing? Hey, what's up, my dude? Doing How's everything good. in South Canada? <laughs> it's It's nice and cold here today, about 10 degrees, but... You're you're not too farther south. I'm sure it's uh, nice and cold there too. Bro, the other day I walked outside and I'm just like, man, it's either one or two. It's either the weight I lost or it's either I'm getting older or I don't know what it is, but I remember being younger and playing football in this weather. It was like 30 something degrees. And now I'm just like, I got my car hat on and I want to put gloves on. I'm just like, well, what the heck is wrong with me, man? <laughs> yeah. My, my fingers uh, is, that's the one thing for me. I, I can't do the cold for very long. I think it was for wrenching from so many years. At least I'm guessing that's why um, they, they start to like ache when I'm out in the cold and the rest of me, I'm fine, whatever, but my, I, I gotta have, you know, either big gloves on or hand warmers or something like that for my Bro, stupid fingers. <laughs> it's uh man, I don't know what it is, but like, I feel it in my bones and I'm just like, you know what it probably is when uh, I started wrenching at the shop, I would, uh, 
we uh we oh, we could open the doors and the cars kind of drive through kind of like a like a car wash lane or something like that so i would i remember like i'd wrench i didn't have a lift so i'd just be in the creeper underneath a car you know wrenching or whatever and uh, the, the both doors would go up and it, <laughs> that nice draft would come in and I'd be like, <gasps> oh man so well, there's nothing like getting a big chunk of cold sloppy ice down the back of your shirt working on a car if no one if you've never experienced that before that's that's the absolute worst so my uh my uh my lead guy caesar wonderful guy amazing tech probably one of the best guys i've ever worked with he's in uh he's from cali so he saw hail here for the first time he saw (laughs) snow or not not for the first time but he saw like a you know accumulation of snow in the city um and uh (laughs) Uh, one day he was just like son of a biscuit and i turn around and look and he's just shaking his jacket off and you know i was like welcome to chicago <laughs> you, got a, you got the northern shower he's like that sucks i said yes sir he got that nice piece of melted ice water right underneath right in the back of his jacket <laughs> right down the back of his spine oh man yeah that'll wake you up for sure yeah. <laughs> oh damn yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing pretty good up here. I'm just wrapping up the semester with the students. Actually, we got uh, two more two more days. We're doing a uh, performance final with them. You know, we do some written finals and they have tests and stuff, but we do like a performance one where we bug some vehicles and we just kind of give it to individual students to see if they can work their way through a problem and kind of follow their process. But I, during the the test, I'm just kind of their service writer. You know, I'll give them the information on the vehicle, say, this is what the customer has as a concern. And they have to tell me what's wrong, what it needs to fix it or, you know, fix it. And it's, it's all electrical based um, for this one. And then it's relating to other systems. Like we, we went through emissions and stuff like that, but it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I don't know that all the students find it fun, but some of them aren't quite ready for the pressure of just an individual uh, you know, it's all on you. You don't have a group or an instructor to pull from on it. But I know some of them really shine and you can really see where maybe there's some shortcomings for next semester so we can work with them better. But that's that's the next couple of days is doing that performance final. Awesome. No, that's uh, that's uh, that's awesome news, man, especially with everything that's going on. Yeah, we've been lucky to stay on campus, at least for the shop portion. Um because uh, everything else around here is <laughs> shut down at the moment. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. It's uh, it's really uh, it's been really a wrench in 2020 for sure. No kidding. No matter how you look at it. How about you? What do you got going on? Um, you know what, man? <clears throat> right now, I have a little project that I'll be announcing soon. Not exactly super ready to do so. Um, it's gonna be more for my Spanish audience. Um, TBT is working on some, some, some things for the new year too. Um, and just trying to like expand on my mobile business, man, you know, just kind of, it's kind of, kind of getting old wrenching in the ghetto, man. So it's, uh, it's getting tough. So I think, I think right now mobile is my, is going to be my saving grace. Okay. Well, and that's uh, kind of what we wanted to talk about today was uh, some programming stuff. Uh, yes, you obviously sir. do a lot of that uh, with your mobile work. And I'm, I'm learning every, all the time on this programming thing as I go. And, 
there's a, there's a quite the learning curve to it at first, I think. But then once you get into it, a lot of times with, with a lot of makes, I find I was like, well, this really isn't that bad. Um, I did you know, a Kia the first time the other day and I'm like, wow, that was, that was incredibly simple. <laughs> oh, Kia, Kia Hyundai is beautiful, especially if you have, you know, HDS and KDS. That's a different story, but even the J2534 is uh, pretty straightforward. Honestly, I, there's not a lot of difficult programmings, man. Uh, there really isn't. Um, uh, I feel like 80% of programming is the fear factor. Like, oh, my, am I going to damage this module? Am I going to do something? The car's not going to start, blah, blah, blah. Because there's really no set, um, per, like, there's realistically, you know, bar, bar in the exception of uh, some of the resources that we see now, when I first started programming, there was inject. Real talk, man. And um, you may not believe this, but you know how I found out about Scotty Kilmer? is my first programming event. I Googled how to program <laughs> an engine computer because I don't know any better, right? So I just Googled it. Like, hey, you know, see what yeah. I find. What did I see? A video of, of his, and he's like, we're going to update this for whatever the heck he had, right? And then it was just a picture. of It was just an easy flasher and a laptop. Okay. And then and then and it, like, it goes for like five minutes, and then like, there you go. It's, it's programmed. I'm just like, man, what a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> there was literally nothing good in there. Nothing at all, which, you know, obviously, but yeah. I didn't know. So I was like, man, this guy's a quack. Um, so I, uh, I, and this is a funny thing. I, my experience with programming MO and, and keys in general was like, I like, I've always kind of had a knack for DIAC. Um, and I would, you know, ultimately get, you know, a Nissan back IAC motor or, you know, common, common fail ECMs that needed key relearns, even older GMs before I knew about, you know, calibrations and stuff like that. Um, you just did, you know, the 30 minute relearn car started and didn't have any weird codes in it and you're done ship it. Um, but my problem came in, uh, I had a local, everybody around me used to call a local locksmith guy. Cause that's what you called. You called the locksmith. You want to program something. It was either dealer or locksmith around me anyway. Uh, I didn't know at the time of any mobile programming companies. I didn't know any better. Um, one, I had an issue with a Ford that they weren't able to program and I got charged for whatever reason. Um, and I remember the second one was a Volkswagen, uh, a PCM replacement. So, uh, so the, the locksmith comes in and in hindsight now, I didn't know what he was doing at first. What I realized is that he was trying to program the keys. Well, obviously, you know, on a, on a Volkswagen, you don't you don't have to program keys. It's just copying the information from the old module to the new to the new the new donor one. So he battled with it for like an hour and a half, wasn't able to do anything, and he was still, still trying to charge me. And I'm like, dude, you know, you quoted me like 250 bucks for this, which is fine. I mean, I don't I don't mind, but you weren't able to. He's like, your computer's no good. I said, how is it no good? I can talk to it. He's like, your used one's no good. I said, I can talk to it. So it's not, it's not that it's you. So I'm not paying you. Like I remember this argument. So I refused to use them. And then I got from one of my dealer, um, uh, one of my dealer customers, a, uh, 2007 fusion. You already know what that needs, you know, spark plugs, coils, and a computer. So after I did the diag, you know, they got me a, a used computer, a used PCM. So at this point, 
fast, I was, I'm sorry, I kind of fast forward in my, in my career. Um, I ended up buying a 908P, an Auto 908P. You know, that one comes with a J-Box. Sure. So, you know, I found some service information saying you need, you know, IDS or whatever. Put it this way. I had a laptop. I had the, the device. I'm like, dude, I don't care if this takes me a week. I'm going to figure it out. It took me two days. Okay. You know, not like on the car two days, but, you know, from, you know, taking care of the shop and coming back and forth, running back and forth. Everything was a matter of fact, if I remember right. I ran out of my script <laughs> by the time I, I, I actually got everything together. Cause then it was, it was always something like, why is this little red light on? Oh, the battery went dead. Dang it. I'll go charge the battery up or whatever. I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I got the PMI done, blah, blah, blah. Why doesn't it want to start? Go into pets. Oh, you need two keys. Oh, now wait, I have to go get a, another key. And the keys after that, the keys wouldn't learn. It turns out it had a halo from a cheap remote start. And so I had another oh. key in the, under the column. So that was a learning experience. Like it was everything. Like it fought me every way through, but I did it. Like I said, in about two days, two and a half days, I finally knocked it out. And I was able to start this car and had the latest calibration loaded into it. And I was, I was thrilled and I was hooked. Yeah, that's a pretty cool feeling that first time when every everything uh, <laughs> ends up good. And there's been some bumps around the, along the road, you know. Like I've, uh, I ran into a, you know, GM issues, class two issues, and I couldn't, you know, for the life of me, figure out what it was. And not for nothing, uh, I gr- I gained more experience in programming uh, through Facebook. A lot of the, you know, the the original you know, automotive technicians group, technical training group, like a lot of these groups were really in, instrumental in me, you know, furthering my career. Um, so it's like in hindsight, I wouldn't do anything differently. I just wish I had somebody to help. You know, a lot of people don't really realize that as long as you do your, your, your homework and the legwork, n- nobody's, nobody's going to tell you no, nobody's not going to help you. There's so many people out there who are in that position that's why I, I am the way I am. Like I, I feel calls from people all day long and it doesn't bother me. What does bother me is I'll get text messages from people with a bunch of codes. What do you think is wrong? <laughs> yeah. Not even, <laughs> not even hello. How's it going? Have you been? <laughs> no, just a screenshot of some, some snap on tool with a P04 something or whatever. What do you think it is? I don't know. What do you think it is? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Just yeah, send it. Send them the link to Google. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh. What about you, man? How well was your first programming event? Um. Well, for me, it was what you mentioned. I I learned about this stuff on Facebook. Um. Because my time at Firestone when I was a tech, I never did any of it. I didn't even know that it was available to technicians outside the dealership. We just always sent everything to the dealer that we had to do and you know, for a long time, I don't know, we didn't see that much. It'd be just here and there, not, not enough to really make a dent in what we were doing. It was just the occasional inconvenience that you send the GS to the dealer with the car or the customer or get it towed or whatever. It didn't really matter to us, but more and more frequently we're running into things. And I remember there was a, there was a Ford actually, and it was a instrument cluster that I think somebody had put in from one in a junkyard and it, it didn't have the uh, 
we didn't have air conditioning set up in the parameters for the cluster or something like that. And I think I did enough reading to find out like there was a possibility to change that within the within the module to set it up to program it to do whatever and i was reading and i'm like well this can be done but i don't have any of the equipment and it kind of got me going down the path again going to facebook like you said and finding out that oh wow there is a lot available to technicians in the aftermarket outside of dealerships and i i got into it very slowly but i ended up finding out that there's a guy uh, that runs a company down in the cities. I live about half hour north of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and he has he runs the area down there pretty well. Uh, but I'm I'm up north, and I was asking around to a lot of shops, and nobody does it up here. Like nobody programs in my area at all, besides the dealerships. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I might as well give this a shot. So I kind of slowly accumulated uh, GM, Ford, Chrysler, and GM was my first um, my first experience. So I, th- I feel like that was a nice, easy one to do for your first time. But <laughs> the one I did, it was a, um, it was a fuel pump control module on a GM truck and it had popped the fuse for the module when it went out or whatever happened. And so I'm trying to program this new module and it won't communicate with it. And I'm like, oh, I messed something up right away. I bricked this thing. I, I screwed it up, but it just turned out I had to put a fuse in there so it could talk to the <laughs> programming device, but we figured that <laughs> out and we got through it. And yeah, like that, when it finally gets done that first time, you're sitting there just watching that bar go across. It, it's a good feeling to have it done. And then you do it so many times after and it's just like, okay, whatever, just hit the button something will happen. <laughs> happen i've never been spooked programming i really haven't because most of the times honestly where i'm at 80 percent of the, the stuff i see is older so when yeah. i i do something dicey i usually make a phone call to a junkyard i'm like oh it's 50 bucks ah, okay it's worth breaking this junk if it's 50 bucks i'll just you know i'll play around with it or whatever um when the second generation auto pass through came out, I actually flashed a, a 2007 uh, Infinity G35 with that pass through with using NERS. Really? And I had never did use NERS at this point before, but with my buddy Keith's help, he um he helped me set up NERS, and you know I just went through the motions like it was just any normal you know programming event. But if you ever have you you've programmed Nissan's right with NERS? I actually, I got the consult for that because there's a bunch of transmission shops up here around me gotcha. and I figured I was going to be doing enough of them and I need that CD thing. So I just, I, I, I went for it. Oh, I'm so mad, dude. I used to get calls all the time for this thing until I finally broke down and bought a VC, uh, 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 a VI and um, it got consult set up and everything. And if I had three calls since I bought it, bro, it's too much. <laughs> I literally used to get a call once a week, man. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. I had to wait like nine months to get that pass through. It was ridiculous. Guys at AES, man, they they um Carlos, man, he he actually I actually reached out to him and I asked him, you know, where uh what what did he recommend on me getting one? He actually got one for me. Oh, okay. It took like two weeks. Oh damn. He's got another eight people. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it does help, man. There's some wonderful people in the industry. Um, but I, like I said, I've programmed with Zentry, uh, Icon, or BMW with ISTA, 
And honestly, they're not. They're not hard. Like, like you know, Sentry is is such an amazing tool. It's such a wonderful tool. I would um, hope so for thirty grand. <laughs> man, it's uh, it's definitely pricey, but it's it's. I just don't. I think they'd have more. Right now, they're they're doing a lot in terms of uh, the pirating. Oh, and yeah. um, you know, locking out logins and you know, but the um, issue I see is I think they should they should just make it more accessible. You don't have to change the price. Like keep it at whatever five, six, seven thousand dollars a year. But just you know, why do I have to you know fork over thirty k and then wait, you know, six, seven months to get it? Yeah. So well, that's the. They have some stuff going. I don't do any Mercedes, but they have some stuff going on with parts too, right? As far as like actually purchasing parts, you you, you have to be at the dealer. The, well, um, you know what? Honestly, I haven't run into that yet because, like I said, for the most part, I'm already at the shops doing like transmissions and stuff like that. Um, but me personally, I've never actually had to buy a part. Uh, a a theft. It's a uh, sorry. It's a theft part. Okay. Anything that's death related of, you know, the valve bodies, uh, the steering locks, keys and stuff like that. I, I was told this is the, this, I don't know, maybe somebody will correct me um, that you, if you don't have an LSID, um, then the owner has to actually go into to the, to the dealer to purchase the parts, not even okay. the, the shop that where the vehicle is at. The deal, the owner has to actually physically go in. And that's something that I was told by my local Mercedes dealer. I never asked him about the LSID cause I don't, I'm in the process of getting mine, but again, I've never had to actually buy a part. Yeah, I I haven't either. I just uh, I I think I've just I've read some about it, and then I work with another instructor at the college who works for Mercedes, and he was telling me even I guess within the dealership, there's only certain people who can I don't know order certain parts or or purchase certain parts. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I was hearing they're they're having some uh, crackdowns on security as far as their their cars go. So. Yeah, I see. I don't do a ton of euros because, well, I shouldn't say I, I don't really program any euros because I have such a low uh, volume for that. I'll get like one call on a BMW maybe every other month, and then you know some Volkswagens, Audis here and there. But it's just it's not anywhere near enough for me to invest in the tooling. I think if I was closer to the cities, that would be different. But yeah. for me, it's all uh, domestic and Asian. That's 90% of what I see around my area. So that's what I've stuck with. You know, going, um, I see a lot of older BMWs. Okay. You know, a lot of older BMWs and a lot of used parts. I had a really, um, really fascinating one as of late. Um, I actually ended up using my, my drive pro for this one. Um, so yeah, OEM is always going to be the best way to go. Well, unfortunately, uh, I'm more of the whatever works, works. And whatever I can do, you know, in terms of programming, in terms of, you know, getting the car out of my shop is what I'm going to do. So if it's if it's launch, if it's auto, if it's, you know, auto Make logic. it happen. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, you know, uh, this whole, oh, the industry is no good because a lot of us don't use the OEM procedures, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can brick an HIH an HIH with uh, sorry, you can brick an HIH module using using ICOM and Nista. I mean, ICOM was down for I think what 
two months almost, two and a half months. Oh, wow. So sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And I'm the type of person that says, as long as you don't, you know, screw over a customer and do what you got to do. So this one actually came in. This one was really funny. It was a 2009 uh, 3 Series. It was a 328i or something like that. Uh, the customer just, this was exact words. My lights ain't working. <laughs> I said, well, which ones? Well, some of them and not all of them. <laughs> okay, so which ones is it? Which ones are, okay, let's start with this. Which ones are working and which ones aren't working? Well, my headlights turn on, but they stay on. The turn signals work, but then they don't work. And then the brake lights, only the third light works, but only if the lights are off. <laughs> ah, okay, cool. All right, I mean, I'll, you know, authorized diag, whatever. We'll look at it. Um, I was like, you know what, man? Let me just start. Let me let me scan this thing first. I scanned it, um, and of course, this thing had like sixty something codes, all these modules. But I was just like, whatever. I went to the light, the LM, the light module, or LMA, whatever it's called. Um, I go in there, and it had a bunch of uh, weird codes. I wish I documented them. I didn't. Uh, but in my experience with BMWs and, and some Euros, when you have a lot of, like, you know, plausibilities or, or certain codes that really kind of don't make sense, that usually means there's a coding issue. Okay. So then I call the customer. I say, hey, man, like, what happened here? Like, can you give me some more info? When did this start? He said, Oh, I got into a little accident and uh, they replaced the right headlight and a little black box. So I didn't really question the customer further. I'm like, Oh, okay. So then this, this light module, um, I said, I started looking at the lights and they're adaptive lights. Okay. So anybody knows that you have adaptive lights, they need to be coded to the light module before anything. So I said, all right, Mr. Customer, before we proceed to any diag, I go, you need to authorize X amount of money because I need to code this module. I need to code the light to the module. Or you want to take it back to wherever they installed it. He's like, man, they don't know what they were doing, blah, blah, blah. Just do it. Okay. I code the module, but at this point, this is where service information actually would have been in my favor because I, I went for a loop. I plug in the tool. I, I, look at the, I look at the coding, and it gave me an error. Um, do you want to code this, mod, this, uh, this module? It has this VIN number, uh, it has a VIN number, and then the CAS has a different VIN number. So in my mind, since I know where I'm at, I remember one time I got bit this way because somebody had replaced the DME on one, and instead of actually, you know, doing it the proper way, they replaced a used DME, got a got a, a donor key, and a donor cast that came from the same vehicle. Oh, okay. So I remember messing with the VIN number, and I, and I bricked the cast, even though it wasn't my fault. I just didn't know. The customer didn't know either. Um, they just took it to a shop and fixed a problem, but they couldn't. They couldn't ever. They could not get all the other lights to go off. It had ABS lights. It had, you know, airbag lights. Radio wouldn't work. Like it had. It was just like a really messed up situation. But anyway, so <clears throat> I said, well, you know what? Let's just go with the coding that's in the in the, L, in the light module now. We'll code this headlight. So instead of ten codes after this, I have twenty codes. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, this is just got interesting. So let me, I call back the customer again. I'm like, hey, that's it. All, all you did was replace the headlight. And I assume when he said black box, it was the ballast. Yeah. Because he just kind of, you know, sequentially said it. He's like, yeah, and that black box I told you about. I said, where does this black box go? Oh, underneath the, underneath the dashboard right there by the brakes. 
by the brake by the by the brake pedal. I'm like, oh, okay. So we have two problems. I said, now we have to code this light module. Now I have to recode this one. Blah blah blah. So authorize the, the coding or whatever. So I went back and then I ended up coding the um, light module first with the VIN from the CAS, which is the the vehicle's VIN. Okay. Then I was able to code the adaptive lighting, and boom, no more codes. Everything was back up and running. Nice. It was. I've not have. I haven't seen this before. Honestly, I've. I. I didn't. I ever. Um. I've done like I said BMWs and stuff, but this was actually a very particularly interesting one. I know it's a little older, but you know, for where I'm at, it's probably about the right age, about ten year old. Sure. Um. What What's the difference? Um. I I hear the word coding a lot on European stuff. What's the difference between coding something and then like programming a control module, or is is there a difference between the two? I love that question. There's a big difference. Coding is you have a module and you actually, you're not, technically you're not changing the software in it. What you're doing is you are introducing the car, the, the vehicle to the module. Okay. Remember some cars have fog lights, some cars don't. So let's say for example, if you put in a used light module from this, this certain vehicle, most of the times they use the same modules but it's just the, the, like the coding. The coding is basically you're adapting the module to the car gotcha. without changing the software. Okay. Programming is actually changing the software. Does that make sense? Yes. That's yes. actually the easiest way I can put it. Okay. What would you call Ford as built when you're at punching in the codes? As built? Would that, would that be coding or a software change? I mean, it's pulling. Well, you can pull stuff from the server. You can type it in. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what you classify that as. I classify that more as coding, to be very honest with you, because yeah, you could pull it from the server, but it's it's the same numbers. It's just putting that's, the numbers in there. For correct. You just it basically yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's like instead of you actually typing them in, they're just they're finding them off the server and putting them in for you. Because okay. remember, you still have to do your PMI. Just sometimes the the module's blank, so you actually have to find as built. And I don't know if you noticed that, but on some some BCMs, like I've had to do, especially the ones that are dead that I can't do a PMI on. I actually I've done as built PMI programming and then pads. And that's the only. And then after that, the 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 tire relearns and the remotes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, that's that's always uh, interesting. Sometimes. Some some Ford modules it won't let you go through the PMI, so you have to go through the as built and then pull the data and then go back in and then do the PMI. I've I've run into that a couple times on certain ones, and I don't the the IDS software, the scan tool, it really guides you through it pretty well. I think. I mean, you just you read what's on the screen. Okay, I'll go here. All right, I'm connected to the internet, and all right, I'll go to this next step. Um, I don't know. I found most of the factory interfaces that I've used are actually pretty straightforward as long as you can <laughs> read directions. Read. So that's a problem. A lot of people. One of the best best um, forms of advice I have for people that are starting to learn your your treat. All your programmings, like they were your first. Take the extra minute, read. When you're in GM, make sure you, you select the right calibrations. You know, go through that nasty ass trunk and, and find the RPO codes. Go in through that nasty ass glove box and get the RPO codes. I mean, like, you know, as long as you follow the procedures, man, it's it's pretty tight, man. I have yet to brick anything and I'm reckless. I mean, I've done some really reckless stuff, but you know, things that people probably wouldn't normally try, I 
I'm going home. Like, all right, let's do it. Like I, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like anything that I can't do, things that I won't do are things that I can't back up. So if I break something, I know is because either I can replace it or I can actually repair it. Okay. You can recover it once it's correct. Okay. And so when you say, when you say breaking a control module, um, the, the one for me is uh, the older GM class two. Um, I was just, I was using a tool that was way too fast and it just gave me the B bonk and that was it. But when, when the modules bricked, do you have any chance of recovering it or is it just going to depend on the situation? It depends on the situation. I'll tell you this right now. Anybody that does a GM programming and it stops, do not cycle the key. Okay. Let it retry and it's going to give you a failure and try it again. Figure out what went wrong. Try it again. Do not cycle the key. Um, you know what? With me, I've never bricked the GM and a lot of people have said that they've had bad luck. Um, I came close to bricking a class two once. It was on the uh, the envoys and trailblazer that those were those gave that model has given me a little bit of issues at the beginning. Um, at first, I would just not even waste my time. I would just disconnect the network mm-hmm. and then just just go, basically go straight to the splice. Um, then actually, uh, GM figured out what, what was going on because I guess they were they were even having problems at the dealership. And right before you, and that's why I say you know always read because right before you start the programming, it says, it says pull two fuses. Those fuses are actually for the two other modules that are on the network that are conflict, which is the ABS module and the, and the airbag module. That's funny. I, I just did one of those uh, this past week. And yeah, if you take the time to read that screen, it tells you what fuse box and what fuses to pull. And it's easy to just click next and go past it. But I, I guess that is a really good piece of advice is to t- take your time and read what the scan tool is telling you. But I think also the service information ahead of time, just always take the time to pull up the procedure, even if it's, you know, aftermarket service information, all that, a Mitchell, whatever, go through the procedure and see, is there anything else I have to do <laughs> in addition to hitting buttons? Is there something else here that needs to happen? That's maybe not going to, it's not going to tell me this in the scan tool. Um, and that, that can be, really important too. And that's where I've definitely wasted some time because I didn't do that ahead of time. Well, I've, when I started having issues with not reading was when I started doing a VCM programming. So I have a, a, an account, it's a body shop and they actually have uh, an account with the, the, the Chicago park district and they have nothing but, you know, Silverado's Rams and F-150s, transit vans, Etc. And it's a pattern failures. They do a lot of tipums. They do a lot of you know GM airbag modules, and they do a lot of uh, four BCMs for some reason. They do a lot of them. I get at least two or three of them a month from them. Okay. And uh, so the BC, the the BCMs they all have different procedures, and it's a uh, it's a real pain. Um, I I know now, but when once you finish doing the PMI on those BCMs, there's a a big list of do CEI lock, do, um, um, uh, you know, patch relearn. TPMS. TPMS. Uh, if it has power locks, then you have to have remotes. And then, well, what do I do if I don't have remotes or, or TPMS sensors? Well, what you can do um, is stock some. Stock, you know, buy four TPMS sensors, you know, and then buy a couple remotes and you'll be able to, 
to to knock it out that way. Um, the the transit vans have you know a similar. You don't have to do remotes, but the transit vans you actually have to do go into configuration data. And there's I forget that it's the name is escaping me right now. But after you do the PMI, there's another process for where you have to go in and find. Uh, I think it's called configuration information from the vehicle. Okay. I don't know if you ran into one of those Transit 250s, the big boys. I have not, not yet. Um, yeah, the uh, the extra steps <laughs> for sure on some of this stuff. It it sometimes it's in the tool, sometimes it tells you, and sometimes you got to read about it. Um, but yeah, if you don't do that, something's not going to work. Like all well, those Fords, I know on the trucks, if you don't do the TPMS, the dome light will just flash consistently as long right. as the, <laughs> the key, or the, the key or the remotes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the remotes. And the first time I did it, I'm like, what the heck's going on here? (laughs) Because I think I I think it was one where I only had one functioning key fob. And luckily, they had another key up front for a different Ford that worked for that one. But I think that's a good idea to stock it in your van. So you're just Mm -hmm. ready to go or heck, I mean, you could, uh, you could even sell the shop, the remote or key or whatever you need to. That's how I got into keys because, because especially this shop, they never have two keys. They do a bunch of Ford PCMs also on the trucks. They do a lot of, they've done some, you know, VTD modules on Silverado's express fans and, you know, on those, um, Anytime you do a new one, flashy, you need a new key. Okay. So I just started, you know, I got um my buddy Isaac. Um, he set me up with a really nice, uh, with a key machine and uh, and some stock. And then I ended up just buying some more stock, you know, on my own. Which key machine do you have? Because I've actually I have been the, looking into the that. The Dolphin. Okay. I have the Dolphin. It, it, I think it's a great starter key, um, a starter machine, because uh, it's not expensive. It's, it's relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. It's battery powered, so okay. if you don't have like a, a like a big mobile rig, like a big transit van or a sprinter, then it's perfect because you know you don't have to run a big inverter to to power it. Um, I will say um, the cons of it are it's I don't like the way it cuts uh, blade keys. Okay. It takes you know some dialing into the machine. It's not just you know plug and play and let's go and calibrate it. No, it it took me. Many keys to to, um, to dial her in. That's why you know I get blanks. And when I started with keys, what I ended up doing was with all I took all the stock that um that I got with Isaac from, and I got super chips because it key it, you can make a key for like under five bucks. Okay. Um, and I just I all my my best friends, family, anybody that I knew that had a car with a transponder, I actually made them a key, and that's okay. how I that's how I I started practicing. And it also taught me how to, you know, look at, you know, biting information and um, what what blade is for what, where I can find this information because it's not easy to find. It's really not out there. Yeah, that's a that locksmith type thing is a whole other <laughs> side of things, which you end up running into doing this if you're programming a lot of control modules. You run into the anti theft components and keys, and so yeah, you got to be prepared for that ahead of time. Um, you did mention the LSID or VSP uh, credential earlier. How often do you run into a situation where you need that? Um, I ran into it once. Where I had okay. a turn, and it was at this shop. It was a 2018 um, Super Duty, 
an okay. F three fifty. Yeah, I wasn't able to. I did everything, and I was hoping it wasn't, but it, it definitely was another ID car, and I wasn't able to go around it. Is and that even, the FDRS setup for Ford? Um, no, that one still was IDS. Was it okay? Or it might have been the seventeen, possibly. No, don't don't correct me. I just know it was another ID car for sure. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't let me uh it wouldn't let me do the BCM. Okay. It wouldn't let me do the parameter reset. I'm sorry for the BCM, and none of my uh, aftermarket tools that I had that can do a parameter reset on older Fords, uh, it doesn't work. So you're kind of kind of stuck there. You actually have to have your LSID. And that seems to be coming more and more common on, on different things where uh, you need that NASDAQ, uh, the SDRM login. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you, it's, a, it's like an app that you download and it's a two-factor authorization right. thing where you put yeah just like uh, just like just like white tech yeah it, yeah very similar the mm-hmm. octa or whatever it is for that yeah. um yeah i i got my lsid for what i'm doing because i run into that here and there and i just i wanted to be able to say yes to stuff um I, well the the chrysler stuff i know you can get the the pin codes from the older ones but i know a lot of the newer ones now it's a rolling code. And so you got to get it through that and the dealers can't give out the codes anymore. Or so I'm told that the dealer codes are different than the aftermarket codes on a lot of these Chryslers now. So the, for the pods, correct. So if you have an aftermarket white tech pod, the, and you know, software, obviously the, the dealer connect pod, the, the, the pin code that you get from the dealer, let's say you call it in and they give you the pin is going to be for the dealer connect pod. So yeah, okay. so it's it's not gonna work. You you're, you have to go through Nastif. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, if you're doing a lot of programming, it's just something something you got to consider. And well, you're going through the process. What do you got to do to get the the LSID or I, I I think it's called the VSP credential now. I don't VSP I don't know. credential. Yeah. Um, I have an issue with my insurance. I. I started the process and then I got paperwork from my insurance lady and uh, it wasn't worded right. Then she got COVID and I got busy. So I have to follow through as soon as I follow through then it'll go in and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll get it back within a, you know, a couple of weeks or so because they, they've done a great job of, uh, you know, making the system a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some updates. I know they just redid their site um, and uh, they're, yeah, they're linking it with diag.net and everything. Um, yeah, that insurance thing, boy, I went through that, um, getting the uh, correct wording on there and it was, uh, (laughs) it was quite the battle going back and forth with my insurance agent. And I think we had to try like four different times to get the right (laughs) document so that they would accept it and I'd be good to go. But yeah, you got a business insurance, you have to have, um, and that coverage to cover you up to so many dollars, uh, business license. And then I think a locksmith license in certain States as well in order to qualify. And then there's a, there's a fee that you pay on top of it for the application process. So, yeah, so I, um, I just been, I've been procrastinating, not going to lie. Um, like I said, most of the vehicles I, I service are older and it was just once in, two years that I've needed an LSID and I had to turn on the job, but I, I feel going forward is going to be very, very important to have it. 
And I think, you know, sometimes for the better of the industry in certain ways, uh, I know there's different opinions on it, but I feel like um, the only, the biggest issue I have, oh, what are you charging for handling LSID? Um, so, yeah, it, it's based on, obviously, if I'm using it, uh, you know, I got to go through the process because it's time consuming. You got to get all the customer information and all that stuff. So it's a little extra paperwork and stuff you got to do. And then there's also going to be the cost of whatever it is for the code. So that's depending on the manufacturer, maybe another 20, 25 bucks on top of everything else. So obviously I'm going to charge whatever the manufacturer charges and then an extra fee on top of that. And a lot of times it tacks on an extra $50 to the bill. Um, maybe I you know, should be doing more than that, but I feel like that's worth the extra time for me. And then it's 400 bucks every two years, I think is the application fee. Yeah, that's uh, around here. That's for the most part in my, uh, my colleagues that are in the mobile business that already have their LSIDs. That's what they're charging 50 bucks for the handling and the documentation and the extra stuff aside from if they actually bought a code or a key cut code or something to that extent. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of the things I have found that people call me for even shops that have some programming capabilities is that's an obstacle they'll run into occasionally where if they don't have it, there's, there's no way around it. Um, they've got to call somebody in, you know, that has that capability. So I, I look at it as in the future, uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a money-making thing or a thing to get me in the door, some places where maybe I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Um, just, just one more, uh, you know, <laughs> thing that you can offer to the shops to make you valuable, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the bad part is, and I feel that this is very unfair for the mobile guys is the dealer system doesn't have to deal with any of this as long as the car's in their possession. Okay. So that I don't uh, here the difference here in Chicago um, would be that there's the huge advantage is me going to the customer, even if it is an extra 50 to a hundred dollars, you know, you're not losing the, the time back and forth of the dealer. And it's now like if I schedule you in for tomorrow, you know, we're going to knock, knock this out tomorrow. Not that the dealer might be two or three, four days out. Yep. Yeah. And so, maybe a tow bill on top of it. Correct. And a, and a possible tow bill and a possible tow back if they misdiagnosed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's the advantages that I keep trying to keep trying to preach. Um, well, I'll tell you what, when you mentioned getting it towed back because they diagnosed it wrong, uh, most of my shops that I do diagnostic work for now, it's because they've called me in for programming and it didn't fix the problem. And then I offered the diagnostic services, not a whole lot of shops. There are some, but not a whole lot of shops call me first for diagnostics. Um, I, I don't know if it's pride thing or what it is, but the programming gets me in the door a lot of places. Um, that alone, I think, is worth offering the service so that I can get in there and hopefully make some money on diagnosis if I don't mess it up. But <laughs> so, I actually am, might be changing my my business plan a little bit because I'm having a, a tough time finding really good uh, diet customers. 
I don't have okay. a problem with programming just a little bit because I do charge generally a little bit more. I had a, a new customer call me the other day and uh, not, not the other day. It was probably like a couple months back. And, um, he goes like, Hey, I, I heard you can probably come out today and, you know, program this GM. I don't forgot which one it was. I know it was a GM. He's like, Oh yeah. What are you charging? I said, I told him, Oh, GM, since you're this radius, it's one fifty. And he's like, oh, no, man, that's too much, man. He's like, I got a guy that does it for 100 He just can't come out today. I said, well, then you just have to wait another day or pay the 50 bucks. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's the, my minimum. Uh, he's like, no, 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 I'll just wait. I said, okay. And the guy never called me back. So I'm just like, man, who's doing it for 100 bucks? I'm just like, I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm curious. I'm like, it's $40 for GM. Yeah. Unless you, you pay the you know the money for it. Well, at this point, there were, tech line still wasn't up and running. So it was, you know. You had to circumnavigate, you know, circumvent, you know, the fact that you paid forty bucks per in by getting like an SPS login or whatever. So I'm just like, man, that guy's really doing it for sixty bucks. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've, being where I'm at, I got, I got key cutters. I call them key cutters because they're on locksmiths that um post ads on Facebook for they'll do they'll do forty dollars for a, like a high security key or fifty bucks or something like that, or for a cut and for a cut and copy basically. Um, so I'm like, that's not surprising. Uh, turns out a uh, couple months, I was hanging out with a friend who was a master tech at GM. He's the one running around doing these programmings for a hundred oh, bucks because he okay. has an MDI too and he has a login. <laughs> so then I'm just like, dude, you're stupid. He's like, why? Man? It's easy. I'm like, dude, it's not, it's not that. Like, I don't care. You can do whatever the heck you want. I go, but you're losing out. It's not me. I it's you. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, like, at least charge 140. If you charge 140, I go, and you do 10 of them every two months, man, that's an extra 400 bucks. You don't want an extra 400 bucks? So I convinced him to start raising his <laughs> prices. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the thing is, it's I know it's a tough thing for me to go in and say, yes, it's, it's X amount of money for this. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to value what you're doing, your time, your knowledge, your tooling, all that stuff, because it is worth it to these shops. I mean, if you got somebody who's not grateful and it's not a good shop to work with, then don't work with them. But um, the ones that do appreciate you coming in and making it happen fast, like you said, like they call me up, okay, I'll be there this afternoon. We'll get it done. Um, that's worth something you know, and just lost time for the shop. It's worth that extra money easily. Well, no, I totally agree. But I mean, the the issue I've run into with the shops that I've recently fired, because I actually just did a mass wave of like, you know what? I'm just not going back. Okay. Because, um, you know, they want me to marry the cars, man. And it's just like, no, man, I, I can't. Like you literally, like you misdiagnosed it. Yeah. And then on top of the fact that you misdiagnosed it, you replaced it with a really, you know, inferior part. So now I have to unscrew the vehicle by diagnosing your bad part. And then now, if obviously it doesn't fix it, you want me to come back out and it's the same charge. And dude, I, I can't do that, man. And, you know, at the beginning, I was just like, you know, it's, it's easy. I'll just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But now it's just to a point where it's just like, it's annoying. Well, and if you've got so many more appointments stacked up for the rest of the day, it just it ruins everything. If now, you know, now you got to spend X amount of time trying to figure out a problem that you didn't have built into the schedule. 
Yeah, that's the that's the big one too, man. And um, so all in, all in all, it's, it's I think I'm still gonna do what I'm doing. I might just change some things up a little bit because okay. I do still have a home base, I still have a shop. So I was just thinking of just doubling my diag fee and having them send it to the shop instead. Because okay. there I'm comfortable. I'm in my element. I can lift up a car. Sometimes, like over the summer, I had to diag cars in the gravel lot because they didn't have any room inside, and, and which I don't mind. But it's just like, dude, like right, right now in the winter, no way. Mm-mm. Right. Well, no way. <laughs> even in the summer, you're out in the lot just baking in the sun. So I, I know, I know the feeling for sure. Um, do you get a lot of calls when they ask you? about programming a module. Can you program this module? Do you get a lot of calls? Can I put a used one in or not? And if you do, how do you know? I mean, obviously that's a big question. It depends on the vehicle, but what do you, what do you use? Is it just experience or are you, do you have a resource to find the information whether and a used module can be used in something? Now you're talking my language, my friend. <laughs> 95% of all the work I do, man, is mainly use modules, bro. Okay. That's how I know. Just trial and error. Um, I actually kind of like doing used modules mainly because, one, like, you know, you, you get experience, you know, over time. You learn what you can and can't do. Sure. Um, it really depends on the shop. So I just tell them, listen, um, just letting you know that, that this isn't the proper procedure. It's supposed to be new. We can go out there and I'll make the attempt. Uh, if it fails, this is how much I'll charge you. Um, if you don't, if you want to risk it, then give me the new part and we're done. This is how much it's going to cost you to do it. Um, I, for the most part, I, it's just my experience, honestly. There really isn't a, a manual on it. You know, it's just, you know, the other day I did a 2016 um, Transit 250 used BCM. I didn't think it was going to work. It worked. Nice. Yeah. So sometimes there's, there's things that can, things that can't, but you know, it's, it's, it's experience. Honestly, I, I know, for example, Nissan's after 2013, you're no dice, man. Um, most, uh, like Chrysler, for example, mm-hmm. I've done a couple used modules on Rams on even the RFA Rams, the newer ones, like 13 and above. I've done a couple of them. Um, I know, for example, the RFA vehicles like the Dart, the the Fiat based systems don't really allow for used modules, okay. which would be like the Dart, the two hundred, um, the the little Fiat five hundred. So I yeah, just I was wondering how that works with their VIN token that system that they have now. I mean, even on some of the older stuff, do you got to get two tokens to do a used module? Or I, I, I haven't tried that yet. No, because it's um, it depend. Well, depending on the module, but um, I had I I use Whitech, um, so I haven't done one of those yet. But okay. when I do, I'll, I'll report back to you. Okay. Um, but from what I know, no, because it it'll populate the um, the VIN that's in the the gateway. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you, then the module that you're that you're doing will set a used, um, will set a, a VIN mismatch configuration mismatch code. Gotcha. So, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Have you used TechLine Connect yet? No, I uh, I watched Matt Skundridge's uh, video on it a month or so back, and uh, I'll definitely be. Switching to that at some point, but I'm still using the 
short-term within subscription right now. Yeah, there's, there's going to be no, there's, it's going to be, um, I'm already seeing, um, like faults. Like the other day, a, a friend of mine, he didn't have the file for a 2016 tracks PCM. Really? Yeah. So there's already, um, issues coming along with it. Do you know when they're making that switch? They already did. But where you, are they going to make it so you can't get, or you can't do the, the, the per VIN purchase? That's what it seems like. Okay. That's what it really seems like. I just that that if that's that was your question, I'm sorry. Um, but that's what it really seems like that they're they're gonna start transitioning to SPS too. Okay. Or maybe they might just make that standalone. Gotcha. Without the you know, the field reports, the service information, you know, et cetera. One interesting tidbit on that one is it's annoying. So when you're doing a used module on an older GM, um you uh you can't let the PCM you can't let TechLine populate the VIN. Okay. If it populates the VIN, it'll populate the VIN in the donor PCM. If you're doing a PCM. Okay. Right. Sure. So, so it'll populate that VIN. So you can't do that. So you have to actually manually input the VIN, goes through, connects to the VI, and then it says, Oh, you have um you have more than one VIN in this vehicle. Do you wish to proceed? Yes. You start the pro- you start going into the programming. It tells you again. Do you wish to proceed or you want to cancel? No, I want to proceed. And then right before you flash it, it tells you again. Okay. Do you want to proceed or blah blah blah? So it's annoying. But it still can be done even oh, yeah. that system. That's yeah, it's just annoying. Like cause, okay. cause with SPS, you just you actually just don't populate it. You put in the the VIN number and then you bring up the module. You flash it and you're done. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's well. It kind of reminds me of doing it with Fords, where you do the key off. But if you're trying to you're trying to do a used, I know PCM because it pulls the the VIN from the PCM. You do key off, and then eventually it just asks you for a tear tag or whatever, and you put that in. Um, that I've used I've used that method a couple times for used PCMs on Fords, but I think the newest one I've done on those. I'm trying to think for a used one. I think it was like a 2012 or 13 or something like that. Like F-150, I think. The Where it gets a little tricky on used modules is, is Euro stuff without specialty tools. Mm. Like using strictly factory procedures for the most part, you can't, you, there's not a lot of used modules you can do. BMWs and Volkswagens are pretty good about it. Uh, I don't know much about newer BMWs. I know newer Volkswagens have component protection. So basically you can do anything used on those for the most part. It just has to use Otis. Oh, okay. Uh, BMW, a lot of, a lot of modules can actually be recoded. Um, the big no-nos are CAS and the DME or EWS. If it's really, really older, like I said, I, my, most of my stuff is probably like 10, 10 years old by now. Most of my, you know, heavy, everyday type of work um trying to think uh yeah man it's just um anything can be done even like with with you know mercedes and dmes and i mean i'm sorry and bmw dmes you if as long as you have specialty tools you can actually you know clone them but that's that's a whole different ball game right there yeah it's uh it's something that i am just starting to learn a little bit about is the cloning of modules and actually getting down to the board level and looking at eproms and stuff like that and i'm a i'm a complete newbie on that stuff but i'm trying to soak in some information as i go here <laughs> me too man it's uh 
It's really good, man. There's um, there wasn't a lot of there's not really a lot of information on it, man. It's it seems like it gets worse. Like you don't really see a lot of programming stuff. Like you go into service manuals, you really don't see any of how, or how to do it. And but it's out there. The locksmith stuff is a little bit more tight knit. This EEPROM, EEPROM is, you know, pretty much locked down. Um, I was actually, uh, me and Matt Fanzo, uh were in one of the first uh, uh, EEPROM classes held by Mike Christofferson. Okay. Yeah, it was called the Promicon, so. I was actually got, chatting with him on Facebook recently. They've got one out in Vegas in yeah, man, February. My, uh, I might be going to that. <laughs> I should be there, actually. Um, I went to the awesome. first one. I'm going to go to this one. My, uh, he's teaming up with my good friend, Pedro. So uh, if you guys are interested in getting your feet wet, this is a drop in the bucket. It's not, to my, my opinion, it's not expensive at all. To just, just knowing the confidence and the knowledge that you're going to gain it was, it was well, it's well worth it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's not even, I'm not even trying to promote anything, but it's, it's just that there's, there's nothing on this out there at all. Right. Yeah. You got to watch YouTube videos and I mean, it's <laughs> barely, barely getting any concept of what's going on there. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely going to be worth it. And it, there's, um, like I said, as long as you do your due diligence, man, um, if, Facebook is there. There's some really great devices now. It's, you know, uh, anybody, my opinion, if you were to ask me what devices or how I would start, I would have to absolutely say a Kardec 3. Okay. That's going to have the best, er, the best coverage. I know it's supported by a lot of vehicle manufacturers, I think. Yeah, man, it, it's, you know, it's covered. You can use, it's a register. You can register it for white tech too. Um, it's just such a versatile tool. Um, it's also, um, I don't know if you've, have you played with a Nissan right, uh, right to repair consult? Uh-uh. So it's the only device that's authorized for it. Okay. So you don't have to buy, you pay 30 bucks and you get, you know, consult R to R, which Damn. is all the programming. Yeah, that's, uh, there's quite a few newer vehicles. If you got a good J box, you can get factory scan tool set up on there. It's pretty cool. I know, I think Ford's like that too with the FDRS, right? That's pretty much factory application, right? Through a J-Box. Correct. Yeah, pretty much everything for most vehicles after 20, I start some of them 17, 18, I think is the actual, the actual year where it's all J-Box pretty much and a specific program. So uh, yeah, Cardac 3 is going to cover you on a lot of makes and models. Uh, what would you recommend for a laptop? And maybe with that, is it multiple laptops or partition hard drive or what's what's the best way to go there? I mean, maybe for somebody that's starting out. <laughs> um, it depends on your budget, man. Um, there's nothing like actually buying something that's ready to go. But there's, you know, obviously any anything that conveniences you is going to cost you. So if you can't really swing, you know, that much, I mean, I'd, I'd go, if you can't go with like a nice multi-boot, like from like Isaacs, for example, it's a wonderful setup for any, especially a beginner, because for the most part, he comes with support. Okay. You call him and either me or, or Keith, somebody's always going to be on the other end of the line to, to give you a hand. Like I said, this isn't, a, I'm not advertising anything. I am making nothing out of, out of none of this. It's just. 
these options weren't there. If they were there when I first started, I would have went this way because sometimes it's just, it's not, it's not so much about the equipment. It's the helping hand that you can get at your, at your fingertips. But if you don't have that, that, that much money to invest, honestly, man, a, a Dell with at least an i7, a tough book, you know, uh, four or 500 bucks, you can find them. Nice okay. used one. And I mean, the, the, the beautiful part about tough books is you can, you can swap drives. So you can on you can have white tech. Obviously, it's cloud based. So you can have big three on one laptop. You know, GM, and then if you have a CF fifty three, then you can slap in another. Hard, you can put another hard drive. Then you can you can use Mazda IDS if you have it, or one of the other Bosch based tools. You know, Honda HDS. You know, or IHDS. So to keep them separately. Other than that, I mean, um, me, I run a multi boot. I got one of. I got two of Isaac's laptops. Okay. And I, I really like them because they're so versatile. But a lot of people actually uh, prefer to have a cheaper laptop, but just have multiples of them for different uh, for different um, different purposes. And the main purpose is uh, hard drive failure. It happens. Like what, yeah. you're going to damage your laptop, and then what if you have everything on one and you're kind of screwed? But if you have like multiples – then you know you you're you're covered, and that's where the CF53 shines because, like I said, you can just have a whole bunch of different stuff on different hard drives, swap them in, and you're good to go. Okay, yeah, I got a couple old uh, of the CF19s where they have the hard drives you can pop in and out, but those are kind of uh, outdated at this point. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately, those are those are on their way out. But uh, yeah, I have a CF30. And I have a 53, and then I have two Dells. I like Dells a lot. They've okay. been they've been really really great for me, man. If you find uh, a couple of Dells with some i7s in it, man, you'll be good to go. But okay. if you can if you can swing a setup from like Isaac, man, I I would definitely, especially for a first timer, I would definitely, uh, uh, you know, it's worth the investment. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but again, I mean, if you just want to get your feet wet, just eBay and a and a, and a nice uh. What the heck is it called, man? It's actually my favorite laptop right now, the one I'm using. Uh, E7250. That's my laptop of choice right now, aside okay. from the ones I got from Isaac. Yeah, you can I, – I scored one for 400 bucks, a refurbished one with uh, one terabyte and an i7 drive. Nice. Yeah. Um, how about I'm, – I'm just kind of running through the basics uh, of getting into programming. How about a battery maintainer? We just uh, throw a couple jump packs on there and call it good, or what? I mean, Tommy does that all the time, but <laughs> Tommy's a hack. You don't want to be like Tommy. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you can't go wrong with a Schumacher. They're pricey, okay. though. Um, best bang for the buck. Um, the PowerMax brand, IOTA brand, you know, they're like half the price of a Schumacher, and they've been really good. That's the one I use, actually. Okay. Uh, the Power PowerMax, I believe it's called. Um, yeah, I have the Schumacher one and it works really well. Yeah, it is, is on the more expensive side. Um, one note for that. <laughs> and, and I can tell you why I know this. If you're hooking it up, it gives you the option while it's f- doing the flashing voltage while, you, you know, you set it up for flash, you pick your voltage, you hit start. It'll give you the option to look at voltage or amperage going through the cables. Always pick amperage because if one of those cables 
falls off of a GM side post battery because you didn't clamp it on there right, it'll still show you the voltage. But if you have it on amperage, it'll drop down to zero. So <laughs> you know that it came disconnected in the middle of flashing a control module. So I have some personal experience with that. <laughs> oh, man. GM side poles are the, is the <laughs> worst the, invention ever, man. The bane of my existence. Oh, <laughs> so oh it's I, so bad. I bought these little claws. They're little brass like claws that go over the bolts on the side post terminals per just for that reason so that i have something good to clamp to in these vehicles because they're they're just awful yeah it's uh it's uh it's pretty bad i hate those things too with a passion especially the ones where um what was it the not the w bodies man i forget like the buick lesabers oh yeah where the battery is right there next to the belt (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was pretty bad um i was gonna mention something else um oh man honestly don't be afraid to buy some used um some used devices man i've i've scored most of my uh my my pod my white tick pod yeah I, I found it on ebay for 800 bucks um my i ended up scoring from facebook a vcm for 300 vcm one the first one okay um and my mdi I actually got from uh, my dealer buddy for three hundred bucks. Oh, nice! When he upgraded to to MDI two. Okay. So don't be afraid to buy something used. And like I said, so how much do I have there? Like you know, sixteen hundred bucks, or give or take, whatever. My math is horrible. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely good um, to look around and little by little, you don't have to go gung ho, you know, all at once. If you have the money, go for it. If not, then you know you can piece by piece your your arsenal. That's yeah, what I pick, did. pick your main brands. That's that's sort of what I did too. Just start with, uh, you know, Ford, GM, Chrysler, because that's what I see the most of, and I'll just build out from there. And that's that's worked out pretty well for me. Um. All right. Well, you got any other uh, main points you wanted to cover? Honestly, don't be afraid to ask questions. Take the time. Read. Um. The, the one of the coolest programming experiences I had was actually at my first time at Vision. I was in Dave Hobbs' uh, J2534 class, and the one thing that I really walked away with, and you're gonna laugh, at the beginning of the class, he gave us a paper, uh, a paper, a sheet of paper that you know had a bunch of questions to fill out. So you start filling out these these questions, like and it was just some. It's, I found it odd. It was just really random. Where are you from? Um, how many years you've been in business? I'm just like. Why am I filling this out? At the end of the class, he's like, if I were to grade you on these papers, I would have failed all you guys. I'm like, what are you talking about? If you read it in a little fine print in the beginning, it says, do not write anything down. <laughs> so if you actually would have taken the time to actually read the whole title, sure. you wouldn't have wrote anything down. So that's that was his whole point. He's like, make sure you read the instructions before you do anything. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a that's a good way to get it to stick and stick in your head for sure. It did. I, that was honestly one of the best <laughs> way from from uh, from Mr. Hobbs's class at Vision. Nice, cool. Well, that was uh, that was pretty damn informative. I think uh, there's a lot of good information there for anybody who's interested in this stuff. So anybody who has a question, man, feel free to message me. I I'm pretty busy, but I I do my best to help out whenever I can. 
Well, th- thank you so much for uh, for joining me and sharing all that info today. That was awesome. Cool, my dude. Thanks for having me again. Okay, one more big thank you to Tommy for joining me on the show today. Again, tons of really good information in there for anybody that's interested in getting into programming modules on vehicles. But that is all I've got for you today. Uh, Remember to send in those questions for the listener Q&A episode. Uh, The email is going to be in the show notes. Other than that, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time. Yeah.